There we go. Well, then that starts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of our Bin Bass's podcast with Dutch and Matt. Say hello, Matt. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm already, I'm uh, I'm Dutch. Wow, that went smooth, man. <laughs> that went really smooth. I know it's the first one at all, but damn, this is going the right direction. Um, so yeah, my name is Dutch. I will not say my real name because of privacy concerns. Again, real smooth. Um, <clears throat> and I am a automotive engineering student, which is basically engineering around cars. You, yep. Matt? And uh, as I said, I'm Matt. I am... Uh... Well, I call myself Matt the Artisan because I am mostly an artisan in a lot of things. I am definitely not a master. I'm also not uh, an amateur. I have the habit of learning anything I can get my hands on. Mm -hmm. And not just, oh yeah, I'm going to look it up on the internet, as in I'm going to go to evening school and I'm going to learn exactly how to do this. Which um, <laughs> means I am certified in a massive amount of things, but I'm not an expert in any of them. Yep. <laughs> I think okay. Basically wait. What I do. <laughs> the favorite thing that he can do is basically create rigs. He's a he's a goldsmith, basically, yep. right? I am a goldsmith. <laughs> I'm a clockmaker. Uh, I'm a tailor. I am, uh, yeah, VTuber as well. But that's an other thing. <laughs> uh, I am a certified accountant. I can do IT. I can do so many different things. It's not even funny. I'm probably forgetting some of them myself. Just because I have spent so much time studying new things, uh, I forgot what I actually have uh, gotten. I have a folder somewhere <laughs> with all of them in, though. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you should give me that folder sometime. I want a oh, complete yeah, have... list of everything that you can do. Technically, I am like partially certified for industrial engineering as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just a lot of things. I speak several languages. Uh, I just like to study, and it kind of gets out of hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just a little. Well then, considering that we are two tech-based uh, blokes, we'd like to talk about technology, you know, science, the news around uh, technology, and the science evolving, of course, in those technologies. And of mm -hmm. course, you know, and this, have... this is... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And have, a, whole lot and of have fun. a lot of fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> have a whole lot of fun doing it. Laugh. Um, drink a bit of coffee, which I currently have right now. It's not More cold yet. Case. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, man, cold coffee is the worst. Hey, we're recording this in the evening. I can't drink coffee now, then I can't mm -hmm. sleep. Uh, that sounds like a you problem, mate. <laughs> it is. So, yeah. Um, the topics we're going to talk about, basically, a very high level, is just the possibility, the feasibility uh, around the industry of some technologies a bit, our opinions about the technologies, like I said, the news about it. And hell, uh, because we're two geeks, we also like to talk about fictional technologies, what might be possible in the future, you know, some fictional movie technologies, like... Oh, I don't know. Star Wars would be a nice place to start. Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate, all the stars, basically. Mm -hmm. uh. All the space-related uh, yeah. shows, yeah. <laughs> they do have a lot of very special technology that I have never seen before. But yeah, we're oh, yeah. analyzing them, and we're doing it with great fun. Like I already said. <laughs> well then, shall we start off then? 
Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me where you want to start. Well, let's just start with um, something that I had on my mind uh, recently a lot is the battle between our powertrains in cars. A powertrain is basically, in a conventional sense, a diesel engine, a petrol engine, a electric motor, or the somewhat less known hydrogen cells. They're basically uh, ways to propulse a cart cart yep. car please dutch <laughs> to Wait. propose a car forward mm -hmm. and this is very interesting for me because hydrogen cells like don't they basically like all the way down work a little bit like um because like the first three uh types of like cars were like electric petrol and steam mm -hmm. so yes. we have like petrol electric and water basically mm-hmm and we're once again to like the same tree. <laughs> that that indeed is funny. Because hydrogen cells is basically water. Yeah, but let's be fair. As soon as we found those massive, massive oil fields with all that sweet, sweet oil money, we basically yeah. thought, hey, we have this great abundance of petrol. It is very energy dense. Why not just use that? Yeah. Yeah. And that is basically... And I then say. we found out that's not so great to do, because, um, <clears throat> mm -hmm. you know. Yep. But, you know, that is... Um, that's after the party. Yeah, but we had But we had great fun with um, diesel and petrol engines. I can still remember the F1 days, Formula 1 days, where they had V10 engines <laughs> those things hey. roared man it was so sweet oh <laughs> uh, you don't have to tell me my dad used to be a team chef uh for uh oh, really? well, basically our country's version of nascar so uh, that was fun damn i, oh, I yeah. didn't know that I... <laughs> oh i didn't tell you that yet no i, I spent a lot of time growing up on the racetrack uh hmm. for a few years there and we just became better friends. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my father used to look at uh, the Formula One. Yeah, not the Formula One, just Formula One. Uh, back when Alonso and... Well, back when Alonso was Schumacher. Ferrari and Schumacher, indeed. Yeah, I know. it. Man, that guy was amazing. <laughs> really fun. Mm -hmm. Those guys uh, knew how to drive. Yep. But it is also the peak of motorsports. So the technology which is in there is absolutely crazy. I have read this article, I think, or watched this video. It's either one or two that basically explains how a Formula One um, engine just combusts the fuel. And that goes, I believe, in about two phases. No, in three phases, maybe. <laughs> Damn, yeah, I, I just do it from memory. I'm kind of lazy just to Mix look it up. But... Mm -hmm. but from what I understand, it's basically they ignite the fuel in a separate chamber. Then they um, basically put the ignited fuel into the main combustion chamber, add more fuel, and then combust it again. So basically, you have a kind of a pre-ignition thing, and then yeah. main ignition, and... If it it's, was it's to like optimize the use of the uh, of the fuel mm -hmm. as much as possible, because mm -hmm. I know like in Formula One and like even just in normal racing, mm -hmm. um, the most time is lost on the pit stops. So unless <laughs> you have to come in to refuel, the higher your chances of winning. 
Make not only I think yeah, refueling is outlaws basically. Mm -hmm. You can't refuel no more. There were some amazing incidents, but like with uh, Jos Verstappen's car, I think in the nineteen somethings, basically the nozzle wasn't fastened uh, correctly. So when they yeah, put so the fuel in there, it basically sprayed out a bit, and because the car was so hot it ignited after a second or two it was very cool to see but also very you know dangerous yeah there they had mm -hmm. like a few of those disasters which made the rules around it even stricter if i remember mm -hmm. correctly I, uh, I even know like that had a effect on when uh, my dad was like team chef of a team because mm -hmm. suddenly they had to use like new nozzles that were safer mm -hmm. to use and all the cars had to be like adjusted so it would fit because yeah. they uh they basically re refuel under high pressure. Yep. To refuel as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. That they do, but they outlaw that. Oh, they still do it under <laughs> pressure, everything, but just the safety mechanisms mm -hmm. were like very much increased. And then you have, I believe, this NASCAR where they just do it with, you know, a s uh, cylinder. They don't do it pressurized, just basically let gravity do everything, which is very safe. Which is also like one of the options, yes. I... Mm -hmm. But it's kind of, you know, I think that's I've seen kind both of... in action. Yeah, but, but that kind of refueling yeah. is basically synonymous or not synonymous. It's kind of, it's kind of symbolic. For instance, if I see that refueling device, I immediately can identify it as, okay, that's from NASCAR. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of an icon. That's true. They're very mm -hmm. uh, easy to spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, as long as it's fun. Mm-hmm. But let's get back to... Actual <laughs> topic at hand. Yeah, the actual topic <laughs> We're at hand. We're getting off track. Yeah, mm -hmm. we just started. <laughs> the ICEs, or internal combustion engines, versus electric motors versus the hydrogen cells. Well, let's talk a bit about the technology of each of them. Um... Right, <clears throat> this is basically where I come in because yep. of, you know, automotive engineering student and all. And if any of my teachers ever listen to this, they're going to scream at me. <laughs> they're probably going to, yeah, they're well, probably going to scream at me. Yeah, we have these special uh, ICE uh, lessons where we basically get all sorts of technology um, fed to us. Interesting stuff, but they never... Well, no, not never, but they um, didn't make sense to me initially. So I really needed to put in the effort to understand it all. <laughs> so I might not be the best person to talk about this. But enough about the sandbagging. <laughs> I was going to say, you're Let's probably talk. better at this than I am. So mm -hmm. uh, right. get us rolling. Mm -hmm. When we talk about ICEs, we basically talk about, um, well two main if you do not include lpg or liquid liquid petroleum gas and that is petrol and diesel now those two work fundamentally uh different how so that's because petrol can actually um oh how sh fuck, it can evaporate yes it can evaporate into the air and it can combine with the air to create a ignitable mixture. 
diesel, however, can't. Now that is due because of the length of the hydrocarbon strain and for each of us who doesn't speak um, <laughs> chemistry, that is <laughs> basically um, a hydrocarbon is basically just yeah, petrol, diesel, and the length of it basically determines uh, its weight. If I explain that correctly. I think uh, you did. I understand uh, it, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I, I really I really hope that I did. <laughs> Either way, so... <laughs> you did your best. <laughs> So what People you need to take, it, I think. yeah, I hope, maybe. <laughs> oh, shut up. oh shut it! Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shut it! Basically, okay. So what you need to take away from this is uh, petrol can evaporate and mix with the air, and diesel can't. So how do engineers uh, go about this? In petrol engines, well, because it can already mix with the air, and you need both fuel and air to start a fire if you have the ignition temperature. So you don't have to do anything over there, at least to create a combustible mixture. There's a whole lot, bunch of technology that is going into that right now, but I should really keep this focused. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> With diesel, however... Um, right. Diesel gets sprayed in as a vapor. It's still a liquid, but the little droplets are incredibly small. Now, why is that important? Um, well, it's well, it's important because of efficiency, but that is fuck. That's not where I wanted to go. <laughs> okay, so basically, the uh, diesel gets inserted into the combustion chamber at very high pressures. Now, if you know anything about, um, well, basically, I would say high school levels of uh, physics then you know the ideal gas law which basically states that the pressure times the volume of that gas equals the mass of the gas times some constant times its temperature now because of how a piston moves basically downwards and upwards the air gets inserted well close when the piston is down and it gets pushed up again so uh, the volume decreases the volume decreases but the pressure increases what am i saying okay. that is not that is not correct you basically have the same volume but because the uh, oh my god the i should not do mm -hmm. the space engineering students and increases mm -hmm. i'm guessing now nah, yeah basically the pressure increases and thanks to the pressure increase also the temperature increases and thanks to Which the temperature increase, you basically have a ignitable mixture as soon as the droplets hit the, um, well, not immediately, but as soon as they hit the air and the now compressed air with a high temperature, they combust. Okay. So that's then a very long way to say uh, they spray it in there under high pressure. Not, not long, mate. Boom. Not <laughs> long, mate. Just confusing. Very confusing. <laughs> Very confusing, yes. Because <laughs> even though I have passed all of those subjects, I still have no idea what I'm talking about. Basically, what he said is uh, normal petrol wants to become a gas. Easy to go boom. Diesel does not want to become a gas, wants to stay a liquid, so hard to go boom. There is something wrong with that as well, but let's go with it <laughs> for now. It, 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 it's close enough. 
Mm, <laughs> my teachers are gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically those two uh, subjects, they um, deal with it differently. So basically what you get is, um, because when we're talking about combustion engines, we're also talking about emissions. Um, with the petrol um, version, we basically have more, um, what's it called? Carbon dioxide, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, better fuel to air ratio. So more complete combustion, more CO2. Global warming Less. is a bitch regarding that. So they don't want that. But the diesel engines also have a problem. You see, because it is, uh, the diesel is sprayed in there, we have a very high volume of air compared to the amount of fuel that we insert. Now that creates a unique, uh, not a unique problem, but it creates a problem with an excess of NOx gases. Now, what are NOx gases? Nitrous oxides. Yep. We don't want those either because those are bad for the environment. If I am correct, it is the, uh, yeah, the food poor or the resource poor uh, landscapes. Well, they don't want that. They, re or at least the plants really uh, hate that. Yep. Something along like those lines. Not related are street racers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, you have two unique problems. Um, and of course, you know, there are a whole lot more emissions, but how about we focus on these right now? And then you have, of course, the electric motors. Now the electric motors use uh, magnetism to basically rotate a rotor. <laughs> mm. Basically the reverse of what you have in a giant windmill. The windmill spins uh, mm -hmm. the, like the, the rotor, which mm -hmm. then generates electricity. Electric car basically does exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. You use electricity to spin the rotor to move everything else. But that's the interesting thing. It can also do the opposite. For instance, yep. when we're under braking, we can basically generate more electricity. So an electric motor is kind of a hybrid, which is funny because we mostly use them for hybrids. I think, I hope, yes, we do. <laughs> at the moment, yes. They're trying mm -hmm. to change that. Yeah, to full, the more full electric cars, yeah. Fully electric cars, yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just basically a motor dash generator. So it can actually retrieve some kinetic energy and store it as electrical energy. So that is yep. nice. Um, and I know out of uh, my own knowledge that that makes them cleaner when they're already on the road. But they're mm -hmm. a lot more dirty. Like those kind of cars are a lot more um, environmentally unfriendly during production yep. and after use. Um, not necessarily. Um, well, I mean, the depends, depends yeah. on what kind of motor that you use. If you use uh, one with magnets, then yes, they are very damaging for the environment during production because they require rare earth metals. If you go with, I think this is Tesla who did it. They basically went with an induction motor. If I say that uh. correctly. Yes. So basically you have just a piece of iron a current is induced through them so when 
you know, the, the, mag mm, the magnetic stuff comes online, it basically instantaneously turns, which makes it a absolute headache to get the timing right. But if you do, it works. Mm -hmm. If you don't, it doesn't work. And it doesn't require. No, <laughs> it doesn't explode. You okay, won't okay, pull itself apart. Pull it. Okay, that it may do. Either way, um, yeah, this is a design I believe Tesla uh, used, which is amazing because it doesn't require any rare earth metals. Yeah, of course, you need some copper and of course you need some iron because you know, it's still going to cost some stuff, but it will never be as expensive as one of them um, magnet motors, which is also amazing for uh, supply line security here in the West, considering that most mm -hmm. of these rare earth metals are produced in China. And yeah, we are we not really on the best of terms. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nor are we on the best of terms, I would say. But that's not politics. Recently, no. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, but that's politics, politics yeah. and we're not going to go into that. Not too um, much, no. I um, do mm -hmm. know, but my information here might be uh, outdated. That um, Even though like they claim an electric car is almost 100% recyclable, because we do not have the facilities to recycle a bunch of it. Mm -hmm. It's still like worse for the environment. Like if you just compare it, like what you have left over after like the car breaks down and can no longer be repaired. If you compare mm -hmm. an electric one to a just normal petrol one, I know like the leftovers are more uh, environmentally unfriendly if you have an electric car, True. which does not take away that just like in general, if you if you have to buy a new car mm -hmm. the electric one is just a cleaner option because a petrol car or a diesel car isn't like more environmentally unfriendly over its entire lifespan mm -hmm. and i always but... like found it interesting like there's people who have like a petrol car that's like two or three years old and it's mm -hmm. like oh yeah i'm gonna switch to an electric one just for the environment but at mm -hmm. that point, they're basically not being like more environmentally friendly. Yep. Because of like the building process and like making the batteries and everything causes yeah. more damage than if they would just like drive their car for just a 10 years normal lifespan of an average car mm. and then switch to electric. So I always find it's like these people saying like, yeah, I'm going to be environmentally friendly and switch now when they just bought a new car. Yeah, no. <laughs> at that point, they're, they're, they're doing more damage than good. I mean, yeah. at this point in time, it might be like in the future that that's going to change because they are working really hard to make just like the protection process and like the recycling process way better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's all <laughs> in the future. It will come eventually. Absolutely. Yes, of course. But in the meantime, we as a people basically have to kind of wise up and know when to buy a car which is environmentally friendly and when not to yeah because there's have, like yeah. a very different view on them and you have to like make sure that actually switching to electric one at the point you are is the point where it's actually environmentally friendly or not because <laughs> a lot of people just think like, oh yeah, electric car is super environmental friendly. If I just buy that and get rid of my two-year-old like petrol car that has like all the newest safety features and like mm -hmm. cleaning uh, stuff like in I, I, like uh, 
it's not petrol, it's like diesel cars that have like a soot filter and all that. Ooh. As long as all that stuff is new and everything, mm -hmm. you don't switch after buying one of those cars for two years. Because at that point, you're no longer being environmentally friendly. Plus, at the same time, what's to say you're not going to switch the electric car out every two or three years? Because <laughs> all, all the studies of like how environmentally friendly all those things are, as yeah. far as I'm aware, I might be wrong. I'm going like, to put that out there already. It's over a lifespan of 10 years. Yeah. If you constantly switch, you're not being environmentally friendly because you're making a lot of waste. Mm-hmm. But you then, okay, on the other hand, you basically put a car on the occasions market, which is amazing for people with not much money. For instance, for me. <laughs> of course, of course. And that will always like be a part of it. But for mm -hmm. instance, I have never bought a new car. So I know where you're coming from. Always bought used mm -hmm. simply because um, that is usually more environmentally friendly as well. Because a lot of the used cars... Like, especially if it's like they're the new, nearly new kind, you know, any car that's like less than five years old. Yes. Buying one of those is better for the environment than buying a new electric car at this time. I'm not Ooh. saying don't buy an electric if you have the money. <laughs> hell, go for it. But I am also a <laughs> real proponent of using things that aren't broken yet. Hell, I yeah. fix a bunch of stuff for free for people just, if they yeah, say just, they just come with cycle. it. Yeah, just like it's the recycling mindset versus the I am super environmentally friendly because, hey, look how much electric things I buy. Uh, mm -hmm. That is more like for cloud and just to show off. Because you're not going to tell me like you bought that very expensive uh, Model S Tesla because you want to be <laughs> environmentally friendly. You want to show people you're thinking about the environment. It's more mm -hmm. about like status and everything actually trying to be environmental friendly. Mm-hmm. Again, not for everyone, but for a lot of cases. <laughs> yeah, but in that sense, why do people buy sports cars? I see. Same reason they would buy a Tesla. Yeah. In a lot okay, of in my cases. in my opinion, I would buy a sports car for two reasons. One, the acceleration, also known as fun, <laughs> mm -hmm. and just a showboat. Yep, that's the two reasons someone would buy one. But I do not have the money, and I probably will not have the money in the future, so. Guess I'm uh, stuck with a Ford car. <laughs> or you're gonna have to build one. Yeah, I, I can. Like the but... Germany, yeah. Do you know about this? There's a guy mm -hmm. in Germany like who likes to drive in the Autobahn who mm -hmm. built his car from scratch. And his car can go so fast it melts the tires. <laughs> well, okay. If, if he goes don't... full throttle, his tires <laughs> just melt uh, underneath him and he just has to stop. <laughs> okay, I don't know that guy, but one of my teachers <laughs> is Wijnand Swart. It's a Dutch guy, but he basically yeah. builds his own cars. It's amazing. You should really look him up sometime. He's a genius. Yeah. I should send me his like uh, information once so I can uh, Google that. <laughs> but let's go on. We talked a lot about ICEs and electric motors, but not a lot about the hydrogen cells now i do not know much about the hydrogen cells all i know is that they basically uh, combine oxygen and hydrogen into water to create electricity yeah true that is a all. form of combustion um as far as i am uh, like the last time i saw like that in the news and like in 
science articles and everything. Oh, they yeah, were basically that is... um, mm -hmm. combining the two as a form of combustion, which creates mm -hmm. heat, which could create electricity. No, and that since is not it's the hydrogen primary and way oxygen, that they do it. <laughs> all it makes is water, so there's just like water coming out of the tailpipe. Yeah. Or but... it's just being collected in the car that you can then like deposit. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, that is not the primary way um, or not the most efficient way. I know that we have a hydrogen uh, or a hydromotive team uh, at school. That is um, not how they do it. It's they some, have new ways, it's some, probably, yeah. It's some form of reaction. I do not know exactly how it goes. I have to ask one of the lads. It's more of a chemical reaction. Yes. But that what you have said is one of the new developments. I do not know, however, who did it. I do know it's a Japanese firm, but it <laughs> basically tried to uh, keep the ICE technology and repurpose it for yep. hydrogen. Which, in my opinion, if it works, it's genius. You have decades of research into this ICE uh, technology. And if you can just change the fuel, that saves a whole lot of research and a whole lot of work. Plus, it will, it not will be... also allow like older cars that like work on combustion, mm -hmm. maybe with some modifications to keep working, unlike the combustion, just plain combustion, mm -hmm. which and would, of know... course, uh, mm -hmm. you know, which would allow for like a lot of recycling again, because all those old cars, if you just change the right parts, you can just keep your old car and you can True. just drive on hydrogen. Yeah um yeah but the most the thing that i hope that just survives with this move is the sound okay the sound will change a bit but that you still have some good sound i actually you know? have a nice uh like reason why they should do that mm -hmm. um and it's Maybe? for animals actually mm -hmm. animals there's like a lot of animals um who uh especially like the smarter and more urban ones who have gotten used to the sound of our cars and get mm. out of the way when they hear the car coming, especially the ones like with worse eyesight. Mm -hmm. There has been a study. Uh, I would have to look it up. I don't have it with me. But <laughs> there is an increase in roadkill in areas where there's more electric cars because the oh. animals don't hear the cars coming anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so they don't man. get out of the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it was like uh, it was like thirty or forty percent increase depending on the amount of uh, electric cars in the environment. I think like it was worse in like Silicon Valley where it's like very popular to have an electric car. <laughs> oh, that sounds like Silicon Valley. Compared to like, yeah. an area where there's like just a very large amount of petrol cars, mm -hmm. like they notice like yeah, we we know it's like spikes. When like whenever mm -hmm. like a lot of electric cars are introduced, like over time the animals of course learn. But the moment mm. those cars are introduced, they notice like a very large spike in like death of like certain populations that they're tracking, simply because they do not hear the cars come. <laughs> yeah, oh, that I would be a very my... good argument to at least keep the hmm? sound for a little while longer and maybe like slowly tone it down. <laughs> yeah, but then again, you know, I would much rather see that hair live rather than it ending up yeah. on my plate. Yeah. So if you can hear you coming. That's mm -hmm. a good deal. Plus, uh, it's also like safe for humans as well, because a lot of people like you are taught mm -hmm. to look both ways. But if you don't hear any cars like in the neighborhood, uh, you might not pay enough attention and get hit by an electric car, which yeah, also has it, happened in the past. 
True, but if it happens that coming. bad, yeah. But if it happens that bad, legislation will just change so that we have some yeah. artificially made sound. Yeah, it's just like the amount of electric cars is smaller. Mm -hmm. Well, like a lot smaller compared to like the other uh, like combustion engine cars. True. So the leg legislation isn't there yet, but I see like mm -hmm. at some point there's gonna be like a minimum sound level up to these cars. Simply so, for instance, like also the blind and everything are sure to hear it coming. Because mm -hmm. I know myself, like if I take off my glasses, I don't see very well. If this continues and I get old and I get like almost blind, um, <laughs> that's going to be hell. Because yeah. I would never feel safe crossing a street ever again if like every car is silent as hell. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can still sort of hear like the tires on the road, but it's very hard. Yeah, Even but... for me, like to see how far mm -hmm. a car is just based on that. If I hear the engine, oh yeah, I know, I know they're coming. But mm -hmm. uh... yeah, but yeah, it's basically the combustion engine, especially the industry, had about a couple decades of legislation underneath its belt. Of course, the electric car has been around for quite some time, but I would say relatively recently it only started to take off. Yeah, so it's you know, legislation oldest. has a lot of catching up to do, and no, not a lot of catching up to do, but some catching up to do. What really There's has some, some catching up to do in legislation, however, is just quickly something I want to throw out there is autonomous driving. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, that's an old other bag of that, That's Yeah, that's a whole different kind of beans. Let's not uh, go and done right now. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do want to bring one thing up there. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. Something they're, I know they're trying to figure out at the moment is basically the trolley problem. Mm-hmm. If an electric car is driving and there are a group of people or a small kid on the road and they have to swerve and they have to hit one, what are they going to hit? Like, yep. these entire things uh, is something they have to figure out. Mm -hmm. Do you let the car swerve in these cases or not? What do you yeah. teach the AI? True. And there are situations where it's just smarter not to play than to play. Yeah. So you know, what do you do? What do you do then when the yeah. AI decides not to do anything? Yeah, it's like how smart are we gonna make the AI to see that it works well, and that it not mm -hmm. causes us like liabilities and more problems than they actually solve. Mhm. Mm yeah. It's gonna be really interesting. Oh, to that see what it is. Come up with. Mhm. Mm but you know, that's all in the future. Yeah. Well. Let's actually move on right now to another topic. I know this is kind of abrupt, but... Hey, it's also up. in the future. Yeah, it is. Yeah, true. It's also in the future. But a new way to uh, create electricity. The bigger it's brother of the uh, fission reactor, the fusion reactor. Mm -hmm. Which we hope will happen at some point. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, we're working on it. Everyone's working on mm -hmm. it. I think, like, every great nation... And with great, mm -hmm. I mean like very uh, technologically advanced. I don't mean uh, Western countries, like because <laughs> I know this is being researched in China. This is being researched mm -hmm. in India. I I know even like Saudi Arabia and um, Iran are looking into it. Like there's so many countries around the world looking into it, mm -hmm. but nobody's figured it out yet. Yeah, the from what I understand, the most potent design as of yet is called a Tomahawk reactor. And it's based mm -hmm. at the ITER uh, facility down at France. 
That is very much possible. I remember mm -hmm. seeing in the news that everyone was uh, afraid around that area that they were all going to create a black hole and all disappear. Seriously? Which, of course, did not happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was like uh, fear-mongering. It's like, hey, yeah, it's a boarding nation. It's not that far away. What, what are we going to do? Oh, man. No, yeah. come on, <laughs> please. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of, like, pseudoscience and fear-mongering going on when they were, like, first started up. It, it mm. kind of reminded me of, like, the first time they started the Large Hadron Collider. People were like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to clear it black matter and it's going to implode our entire universe. Like, no, it's not. It's, it's not going to be <sighs> that powerful. If they get any at all, it's going to be minuscule. <laughs> Yeah, probably gonna like immediately disappear again. Mm -hmm. Then again, I think we have to understand that people fear the things that they do not know, dash do not understand. And I think that's yeah, a very human problem. So I do not blame um, those who fear it and put those theories out there. I kind of understand where they're coming from. You don't want anything bad to happen, and you do not understand what's going on. So, you know, in my mind, so the first sign of, uh, you know, danger or threat, you basically try to, you know, maintain uh, the safety, which is a noble goal. But on the other hand, leave it to the experts, because yes. if you lead if you lead a uh, gigantic facility that can uh, seriously mess with particles, uh i don't think many good things can happen then yeah. again i'm just a simple automotive engineer what the hell do i know about particles and then people seem to forget um people who do this are really smart they know mm -hmm. what they're doing they're building so many safety features before they're even allowed to do like the minuscules <laughs> of tests on this kind of stuff Hell, mate, I mean, it's not like that kid that built a uh, nuclear generator in like his garage, and um, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's not and like I mean, even if that is possible, imagine what these people are working on and how much extra safety measures they have to do because mm -hmm. that kid managed to build one under the noses of so many agencies. Yeah, but, but then, then on again, the other hand, you have these researchers doing like super um like cutting edge research mm -hmm. to make sure that doesn't happen anymore so we don't need life kind of energy anymore and yeah. what are they doing they have committees and other scientists and just so much oversight that i, mm -hmm. I know like the large hadron collider it was finished and they still had to wait like a few years before they were, before they were even allowed to turn it on because everyone and their mom had to come and check it out to make sure it was safe. Yeah. Nah, seriously, that, I think that's only good that it happens. Of course, it hampers progress, but in my opinion, you can't be safe enough. And if it can avoid disaster, then by all means, let's try to avoid disaster. We also want to build trust whenever we do science, right? Mm -hmm. And like yeah. I said, with people not understanding stuff, let's not give them any more fuel by, you know, cutting corners anywhere. Yeah, because um, if they start cutting corners and something actually goes wrong, that's mm -hmm. just going to make it so much worse. Yep. So just as long as we keep to the rules, we mm -hmm. work safely and everything, 
we're going to get very far. Mm -hmm. The moment we start rushing, we're doomed. Mm -hmm. But I can understand the pain that people feel whenever, you know, you can't turn it on for years, even after it's finished. Hell, we did some gravity racer project at school and one of the teachers was in charge of checking everything and every each teeny little thing was checked, making sure that, you know, everything was safe. I can understand why they do it, but it was a real pain in the ass for a gravity racer, much less a fusion dash, yeah, just a fusion reactor or a hadron collider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all like... Mm. It's all in the safety, mm -hmm. and as long as they keep to the safety rules, they're gonna get there, and everything's gonna be fine. The moment mm -hmm. they start breaking those things, that's when we get problems. Yep. But you know they do build trust. That way oh, we yeah, know definitely. that the collider is absolutely safe, and if not, then don't well, turn it on. Mm-hmm. Just rebuild something. Just make sure that it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredibly easy. Either way, fusion reactors. Yes, we're gonna. I, re about yeah, I really, I really want them to work, mate. I really want them to work. Just... I really hope those uh, coming to being, and, and not just from an energy perspective. Also for a science. If they yeah. can do nuclear fusion, mm -hmm. they're gonna get new elements. We're gonna create new things because fusion basically means smashing two atoms together, mm -hmm. making one. Ah. Uh... I don't think all the new stuff we might create as a result. Now, I'm not saying anything useful is gonna come out of it, <laughs> but the possibility is pretty high. I don't think anything stable is gonna get out of it. Elements. Oh yeah, the chances are low, but the more they try, the more like mm -hmm. at some point the chance that something usable is gonna come out of it is 100. percent Might True. not be within the first 10 years, might not be within the first 100 years, but eventually something's gonna be created. Yeah, but, yeah, but okay, I did a little bit of chemistry in uh, in uni and basically mm -hmm. what they said, if I remember it correctly, if we want the 119th element, the element basically after organicin, which is I think, the yep. s I do not know the periodic table out of my head, the electrons need to be moving faster than the speed of light in order to be stable i think which, that is what they said if that is the case then i do not think we're getting any more elements which is just a shame ah, at least but stable the thing ones. Is elements don't have to be stable to be useful true true of but course, then again the radioactivity and all that that we have to deal with mm -hmm. but depending on what it's losing for instance, mm -hmm. uh, take an element that instead of losing electrons is uh, losing protons or something like that. Yeah. And if it doesn't lose it in a violent way. Mm -hmm. It might still be useful. For instance, I'm thinking um, interstellar travel and stuff like that. If we can create an element that can basically work out a perfect clock, we have some, but the, the half life of those is usually very long. Mm. If we can get one with a shorter one that is stable. And not dangerous that would very much help us out yeah but... That's just like a basic <laughs> example it might be that that already exists but i and i'm just not aware of it but like things like that that's just like off the mm -hmm. top of my head yeah that would There's be so much things really we nice, could do yeah. with elements that aren't necessarily stable but might have like other functions that help us out 
Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping for, you know, more stable elements because the periodic table, although incredibly useful, um, it also opens the way for, you know, more applications because, well, as an engineer, yeah. especially in the automotive industry, I do not care much about radioactive um, <laughs> On the isotopes. other hand, something you might mm -hmm. care a little bit more about is um, the possibilities of new isotopes. Stable ones, yes. <laughs> yeah, possible new stable isotopes like that just don't exist in nature because it doesn't occur naturally. That's also a possibility, and we might get better isotopes that have like mm -hmm. better properties than the ones we already have. Eh, I, e, I Again, don't, I don't. Th yeah, possible. I'm very doubtful that that's gonna work. But yeah, you know, but with like, with the new elements, new isotope comes. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, you it never may, know it in these cases. Be, mm -hmm, it may not be real, but how nice would it be if it were real? It, it would be very interesting to have and get. Because mm -hmm. every new isotope, well, no, not every one. Every that's mm -hmm. that's the wrong. Uh, that's wrong. Um, but many of new isotopes that have been discovered have had useful applications eventually. True. Usually not when they're discovered. Mm -hmm. You only just need one like not even a gene, it's just one smart person to figure something out we can do with it. And we're again one <laughs> step further. True. Baby steps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but steps. I mean, every step we take is one. And, well, if 1,000 baby steps equal one big step, yeah, we're still going we places. Yeah. But then again, I think for right now, the most interesting application of fusion reactors would be our, well, our energy need it's basically a amazing uh, renewable resource which is just immensely powerful or in has the potential to be immensely powerful because we must true. be yeah because we must be fair about that it ain't ready yet <laughs> but we sure as hell can use some better stuff mm-hmm yeah and not to go into too many uh, political stuffs, but <laughs> we there is a really... shortage on certain energy resources at the moment, especially mm -hmm. in Europe. Yep. Yes. <laughs> now, but I think in the meantime, we basically can use fission reactors to do the transition bit, you know, a bit more. But people are afraid about them, and, you know, incidents like the Chernobyl incident don't help. No, not at all. Even though it is not the fusion... Well, I would say it's a human fault. Um, from what I understand, it's basically the crew of reactor building 4 during the incident was... Well, they were, it, they were incompetent. <laughs> Trying to run a safety test out of all things stalled the reactor and then tried to slingshot it back into, you know, operation. No water, no cooling, gas build up, boom. If my uh, understanding is correct. In that sense, yeah, it's more of right. a, in that sense, it's more of a gas explosion than a nuclear explosion. And I hate that people just name it a um nuclear explosion <laughs> because yeah it's it's basically the, it was basically the steam right that did it and a bunch of fools yep. 
and that created a bunch of fallout and then mm -hmm. uh, everything just went haywire and we created more fallout and yeah that's mm -hmm. basically what happened and then you everything have the nuclear bombs yep and basically people start to uh link nuclear to destruction which yep. well it's they so, already so had sad. the link because of like the atom bomb and everything mm -hmm. and that just made it worse mm-hmm because now suddenly, like, yeah, even, like, the nuclear, nuclear power plants were super dangerous. Mm -hmm. But there are, there are plenty of safety features, like double containment buildings. Um, I think there's even, maybe there's even passive cooling and active cooling. Either way, there's this fantastic video from the Canadian Nuclear Safety Agency or something along those lines which just explains modern uh, safety features in nuclear reactors. It's amazing. I watched it back, I think about a year back. It's boring. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, it's boring to look at, <laughs> but the information is good. It's really, really good. But then again, okay, I know this is not technology science or otherwise news based, <laughs> but please, can the agencies just hire like a filmmaker or some uh, something just to help them create more interesting videos please <laughs> for the love of god oh but they're safety videos they have to be dry as hell so people pay attention to what's being said even though oh, they're shut up. drifting off into obscurity and absolute mindlessness i'm sorry yep. what was i saying <laughs> <laughs> come on mate please what are you spending just it's like, like the, those I, I don't mm -hmm. know if you had them, but uh, we mm -hmm. had these like old um, information videos at school, like like uh. safety and like health and like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were always like, they were, so they were boring, always like right? two parts, the super dry part. And for mm -hmm. some reason, they always added this like, oh yeah, and this is like an average teenager experiencing this with like super bad acting. Mm hmm. Yeah, we, we, had, we had something similar. <laughs> I can remember about two months back, a couple of mates of mine just looked at all of those old uh, safety videos just for fun. Oh, no. <laughs> just for fucking fun, mate. They yeah, are you so know bad. What? I have an old safety video of, and you're going to find this funny. I have the old safety video and like office instructions from my evergreen shipping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, too much anyone. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, please, no. <laughs> that became a lot more interesting because that happened. <laughs> Bro, spare me. No. <laughs> yeah, because I remember that, uh, you know, the famous line, we spared no expense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cut corners? Park. Yeah, they repeat that line in that video a few times and it just became funnier and funnier. Mm. <laughs> please, please, no, stop the hypocrisy. You need transparency, you son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah just... that was a thing. But they're so bad. It's okay. They're both depressing and funny at the same time. Like I can remember oh, one of them, one of them videos about uh, <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, handling safety, basically, and they did a um, okay, do wrong and a do right thing, and it's mm 
Oh, I remember one of those when I mm -hmm. uh, like was still a student as a student job. They showed me like the safety video, and the first thing the guy told me after I got out of that and actually started working is like, okay, so this, 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 and this out of the safety video, we don't care about that. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, here's very heavy equipment. Go do that. Like, mm -hmm. excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. He basically told me to forget everything I just saw and just mm -hmm. like use common sense. Yep. Well. <laughs> That, that's that's an, that's another thing especially with heavy duty technology common sense will get you far but not everywhere you need to mm -hmm. know okay if you are handling for instance a bulldozer um you everyone can do it actually you do not need a special well of course if you want to do it professionally then it would be incredibly useful to have a, a bulldozer driving license so that you know all the safety features and such. But if you do it in a safe environment, like I used to do at my first job, it wasn't a bulldozer, it was actually a tractor. You could mm -hmm. just, yeah, you just could sit behind the wheel, give some gas, you know, do something with the clutch, just press the, <laughs> press the brake. <laughs> of uh. course, you know, if you do it in a safe environment, you can do it if you're not doing it in a safe environment well please do not do uh, it <laughs> don't please seek professional training and complete that professional training before you actually uh go on and handle that piece of equipment <laughs> well this, this is kind of weird coming from me mm -hmm. actually no mm -hmm. i'm like the, the one person who can say this if you want to do something learn how to do it right yep i mean that's basically everything I've ever done. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I want to know how to do this. Okay, evening classes, evening classes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Nah, yeah, but if yeah. You wanna, I you mean, want to know something and you want to do it right, make sure your sources are good and mm -hmm. uh, learn it right. Make sure you do it safely as well, because we don't want you to lose an arm, a finger, an entire bloody ass leg. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's a painful mm -hmm. one. But one thing that I really am frustrated about is we are not fools. Of course, we are cautious and we do not know everything. And we certainly need some safety, safety. instructions. But in certain situations, I would and under yeah under very specific conditions, it would be very. Um, not very foolish, but it is possible to, um, yeah, just go inside some pieces of equipment and just use them. A tractor, for instance, is very similar to a car. Use that. Although I, in this day and age, I can understand that you need a um, tractor license because the modern tractors, let's be honest, um, they can reach about 60 kph. Some of them. Yeah. And in that yeah. sense, plus yes. on the, uh, it's also like they, they keep getting more like technology heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like at some point, they're not, it's not a simple tractor anymore. It's a complicated piece of machinery. Mm -hmm. Not that a tractor itself isn't complicated, but I mean, with all mm -hmm. that things they've been adding, it's only getting worse. Mm -hmm. True. In that sense, what I have been saying was, is not really the stuff. I need to say, as a role model, but hey, what the hell? We're bin bastards. <laughs> Anyone who uh, thinks us as a role model is making mm -hmm. a mistake. <laughs> yep. 
not really looking up uh, the things that we need to look up, not really giving good advice. No, we're hey, just hey, a no, bunch no, I've, of. I've been looking it up a little bit. Yeah, okay, you, but I have. I'm using credible sources. For instance, for the energy, I'm using uh, like everything I don't know. Uh, there's a website called Energy Watch that I'm using. <laughs> right, but for me, I just I just go over the top of my head. <laughs> and again, I am a fucking I'm a okay. I'm a bloody automotive engineering student. No, not yet. No, 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 no. Okay, the song is good. It's hilarious, but please. I'm just a fool who talks passionately about stuff. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, I'll have things wrong. And I'll just laugh hey, about them. That's why we started with, uh, don't take our word for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're just basically a but bunch let of me fools. This. The, uh, we're just saying what we learned ourselves and found ourselves. Maybe mm-hmm. If you want to know more about this, fact check us. Look, make your Do your own like uh, research. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't start looking at uh, just like uh, Wikipedia or Facebook or one of things. Mm-hmm. Go to trustworthy sites. If you're really interested in something, go to trustworthy like, people, aka not us. <laughs> you can always ask an expert. There's a lot of experts in their field who uh, are really happy when someone emails them and asks them about the things they're an expert in because that doesn't happen a lot. Trust mm-hmm. me. Uh, I've yep. talked to some experts about things that we probably shouldn't know about, but uh, I sent them an email and it just emailed me back because uh, I was the first one in like five years actually showed interest in their field of study. <laughs> yeah, that is really, <laughs> that's really that's good happened. to see. <laughs> but um, how about I call myself a proper engineer when I actually get the diploma? <laughs> okay, yeah. Engineer in training. Engineer in training. And not a good one at that. I just barely pass. <laughs> oh, you're getting there. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I trust. I trust yeah. you'll get there. Might take you a year longer, but eventually. Hey, mate. I can make drawings. I can make parts. They'll probably be not be well designed, but hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, you know, like what I sent you. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to create. That is not as well designed either. No. Because I already checked, like, uh, you asked me for some measurements, I checked, and um, all I can say is they just used what they had on hand, and they kind of just eyeballed everything. They kind of just... Because I noticed, like, left and right actually isn't the same. Mm-hmm. So, that yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't... Um, oh, no. That works, but, you know, definitely mm-hmm. not uh, very engineered and worked hard on, and they just went to the first thing that actually functioned. Uh, okay. Uh, shit. I have to revise my entire plan now. Fuck! (laughs) Why? Nah. I'm just joking. Um, Yeah. Either way, we're close to the one hour mark. Damn, I did not think we would talk that long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, and if we do some editing, we might just want to edit to you saying that and me agreeing with you out just uh, to keep consistency. But let's uh, let's actually move on to like the more theoretical <laughs> and just uh, us geeking out part. Uh, you know, yeah. because, uh, we wanted to talk about some fictional technology as well. <laughs> yeah, we tried the real stuff, but nah. <laughs> yeah, and like I've been binge watching a lot of science fiction shows recently. So uh, mm-hmm. I have opinions. Like, for oh. instance, like the first one we mentioned, like the zero point energy, which is like mm-hmm. uh, a big point in what I'm watching now, namely Stargate. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there's so much technology that revolves around it. Mm -hmm. And if you look, look into it, like, it is possible to do it. Okay, how about, we first ex how about we first explain a bit the concept of zero-point energy? Okay. Do you know anything about it? I don't. <laughs> it's basically energy uh, in a vacuum. Energy in a vacuum. For instance, gotcha. it's, yeah, it's quantum physics. It's very hard it to, ex ex uh, to explain. It's, uh, let me see. Like, it's the energy. Like, I had, like, an explanation somewhere. How about uh, we go with science mumbo-jumbo? Or movie it's, science? Yeah, it's, it's the energy mm -hmm. that exists in a vacuum. It's like, even in a vacuum, there's energy. Mm -hmm. There's someone? Yeah, Ooh, okay. Um, while Matt is gone, please revel in my confusion. <laughs> okay, by the way, I haven't seen any of this. I have no clue what zero point energy is, apart from what Matt told me. Energy in a vacuum. Even in a vacuum, there is energy, which makes sense in my head. I mean, basically, from what I understand is that everything in our universe wants to be in a more stable condition. How do I explain this? Basically, if you have coal and that coal can be burned because there is energy in the carbon um, connections, you release that energy. Therefore, you make the connections or the newer form more stable. At least that is how I understood it. Now that may be immensely flawed, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it's very difficult material. I just got back by. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is. Um, it, it's also like controversial. Some people yeah. say like, no, it doesn't actually exist. <laughs> so it's 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 so theoretical. It's hard to actually understand. Mm -hmm. Bro, you should really try it, understanding it's entropy. Qu uh, quantum fluctuations. Fluctuations, yeah. Zero point energy refers to random quantum fluctuations of the electromagnetic and other force fields that are present present everywhere in a vacuum. In Sounds words, like a whole lot of bullshit. Cauldron of energy. It goes <laughs> by like the just the mm -hmm. um, how do I say this? I do not know. And it basically expands on the theory, like you know how like the Big Bang came mm -hmm. out of nothing but a yep. vacuum. But like mm -hmm. yeah, hey, uh, if that could happen, there, there has to be like energy in a vacuum, because energy is what created the Big Bang, which created matter, and so on and so on. It uh, had to start somewhere, mm -hmm. it's like, which led them to the theory mm -hmm. that uh, vacuum basically means there's a massive amount of energy there. If we can somehow somehow harness it, you have zero point energy or vacuum energy, and that's like. A very big thing, for instance, as I said, like Stargate. There's like a diff bunch of other um, shows that used it mm. because it's 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 so out of our reach at the moment that it just yeah. becomes very interesting. Like there, there's like in fiction theories, like hey, yeah, we mm -hmm. can make a pocket universe that would just be a vacuum with energy, and if we then can draw the power out of that would basically have unlimited power and almost never-ending power. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, go again. very my, far uh, hypothetical. Yeah. 
I don't think that would really work. Well, considering that we can't just create something out of nothing. Yeah, which is where the hard part comes in. Mm -hmm. The conservation of like, mass and such. Like, purely theoretical, mm -hmm. it should be possible. <laughs> Practically is a different story. Yes. It's like, that it's is like so far in the theoretical that it's like mm -hmm. almost implausible. But mm -hmm. not right. Like, it isn't actually implausible. Yeah. But for that, we have engineers. Well, basically, engineers are the bridge yes. between the theory that scientists discover and the practical uses we use in our societies today. But, you know, who knows? Maybe this is a thing and, you know, a very old uh, scientific ideas just get, I don't know, we'll wipe our ass with them. Because I don't think that Isaac Newton knew of the concepts quantum mechanics. And if he did, uh, why haven't I seen any literature of it? I really want to read it. <laughs> but I don't think that he did. But, yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. No, that I don't know. Yeah. Another piece of technology yeah. that I really want to talk about, which is uh, not... Yeah, which is actually very plausible, is something called a Dyson Sphere, or, well, a more practical version, a Dyson Swarm. Basically, the concept of a Dyson Sphere is we encase the sun to extract its energy. Um, in my opinion, that is a foolish idea, because a meteorologist has to come over, or a solar flare will burst through our little sphere, and... Well, billions and billions and billions of dollars just go out the bloody window. Instead, how about we just throw a lot of uh, reflective panels um, around the sun in orbit, let them focus their light on a central point and extract the energy from there. Which would be a lot more cost efficient, easier mm -hmm. to f like actually make. A lot easier to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the that. problem like with the Dyson sphere as well is uh, depending on the distance you put it at. Of mm -hmm. course, you have like more surfacing cover, but the farther away it is, the less efficient it's gonna be. Yeah, qu the less of the energy low. is hitting no, it. No, no, no. And it's, it's like an entire <laughs> thing. Like if you put it too close, of course, you know, mm -hmm. it's gonna be more too efficient. Intense. But yeah, as you mm -hmm. said, a single solar flare and you can lose billions of dollars of stuff. Mm-hmm. Same with meteors, which are more pulled to the sun than any other object in our solar system because of the gravitational pull there. Mm -hmm. so it's all like, yeah, is it actually like doable? I know, like humanity at the moment can do it, but uh, mm. hey, maybe in the future we will, like as you said, like start with a Dyson swarm and maybe slowly work our way up there. Who knows? I mean, Elon Musk is doing some pretty impressive stuff. Who knows? <laughs> He's trying. Mm-hmm. Oh man, seriously, I love that guy. I know that some people do not support the privatization of, uh, you know, venturing into space. But thanks to all of his efforts and of other ent entrepreneurs, space travel is so much cheaper. Now, I do love me some NASA, but in my opinion, they are horribly inefficient. Yeah, and the big part of that is that NASA is horribly underfunded. <laughs> that as well, yeah. So, you know, if we're gonna do this, then we'll probably see another Monopoly uh, strike this Earth. 
So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be like. At mm-hmm. least we have like some competition. Like a lot of different companies around the world are working, like getting out in the space, getting space technology going. Mm-hmm. Now that it's like feasible for them with like the budgets they can bring forth. Mm-hmm. The only risk is only like the richest uh, of the rich can do it. So uh, if they decide, yeah, we're just gonna keep it for rich people, uh, they probably can. Yeah, but I find that. I don't think that is uh, very feasible because every rich person, uh, in my mind, wants to get richer. Therefore, they need to provide services to society. Of course, some services are expensive. That is in their nature. But I I do think that it would be in, well, many entrepreneurs' interests to basically create a massively successful multinational. In other words, basically create a service that everyone can use. Yeah, that's because, where you can get mm-hmm. the most money these days. That's true. Mm-hmm. Just look at like streaming services and things like, uh, hell, uh, I'm a Twitch streamer. I am mm-hmm. under the thumb of Amazon like everyone else. Uh, oh, yeah. And then we have Amazon. Like, <laughs> yeah, you have some like massive companies that mm-hmm. basically provide a service. For instance, Amazon is most like mm-hmm. at its core. It mm-hmm. is a delivery system. Yep. No matter how you look at it, they didn't start out like mm-hmm. selling their own stuff. They started out as a website where people could sell their stuff, mm-hmm. and then yeah. they delivered it, or they took care of like putting the clients into contact and making sure you could deliver it yourself by providing addresses and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, I'm a believer of the fact that the biggest uh, money, how do, how do I say this? The places where you can get the most money is by providing a service these days, no longer a product. If mm-hmm. you can think of a service that nobody thought of before mm-hmm. that people uh, would actually use, you're probably going to do very well. Just look at Netflix. Mm-hmm. And especially hey, streaming with, service. Yeah. First, like, we're the first one that really took off and look at them now. I mean, it's getting a little worse because everyone's starting their own and it's no longer like a monopoly. But mm-hmm. they still yeah. like have really good numbers as long as they don't, you know, make crappy movies nobody watches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am currently watching some series on Netflix called Big Timber. It's a good one. It's a good I one. have not watched it. Um, I like it. But it's more reminiscent for me of my earlier days, but eh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's keep it on our energy sources for now, then. Let's, let's go back to it, because we're getting off track horribly again. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's in, like, yeah, mm-hmm. with, like, the Dyson spheres, there's also, like, different kind of space-based solar they can actually make. Mm-hmm. For instance, you, it's possible to just put a bunch of uh, solar panels in space, and through some kind of, uh, I'm just going off the top of my head. Um, I know there's there's something called uh, rectennas that they're working on. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of those. And, yeah, it's a special kind of antenna that like um, accepts electromagnetic <laughs> my tongue, electromagnetic energy that like beam down from anywhere else, mm-hmm. and then turns it back into electricity. Ah. One of the things you can do is put a bunch of solar panels in space above, like an array of those antennas, 
mm-hmm. beam down the energy in the electromagnetic form. Of course, make that area a no-fly zone, because otherwise things are going to go horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, like, get it down that way. Uh, you have I the don't... advantage there that, like, you can catch a lot of, like, energy. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, like, solar panels, because that's what I'm used to, but there's, like, mm-hmm. a lot of different ways to extract energy from light. Mm-hmm. You can transform form it to the electromagnetic one get it down to the surface and then get it here which has both a lot of like advantages and disadvantages mm-hmm. for instance, one of the big advantages and like one of the problems that we have on earth uh, right now is like in space a solar panel isn't gonna get dirty quick because mm-hmm. you know there is dust in space but it's a little very small amount and it's not gonna be like that problematic if you compare like solar solar panels in um, more, you know, deserts, they, mm-hmm. they tend to do that. Uh, yeah, that is a completely different story because uh, they have to clean those every single day. Mm-hmm. And there's, if there's well, a little wind. Uh, yeah, you can kiss uh, <laughs> a lot of your production goodbye. Yeah, true. But then again, I don't think it would be really wise to basically put more stuff into earth orbit because it's already a mess up there yeah then really i kind of have like one last one that might mm-hmm. actually be an option yeah uh, it's like the algae mm-hmm. uh i checked earlier like which country was actually working on yeah malaysia is actually working on that mm. they're growing yeah. algae and Algae release like a little bit of electrons when they're like photosynthesizing, or at least the mm-hmm. ones they're using are doing it. And of course, algae is good for the environment because it creates oxygen, it gets like junk out of the air and all that. So that would be like a pretty decent option. Plus, uh, if I remember correctly, but don't quote me on this one, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, al- algae can often also be turned into like food, very basic <laughs> food. But like, yeah. it's it's like a complete solution. It can get you like a basic food product that can be like spread around the world and sold. It gets you power without pollution and it removes pollution. It's like, yeah, but it it's also... like a full thing you can get. Yeah, but of course, I have such a feeling that stuff like this isn't going to be as easy as we think it is because, well, algae. Um, yeah, of course, it interacts not... with the environment, so we have to take care of our environment, especially when we mass produce algae. I can very well imagine that it would be a solution for a small place if yeah. produced. Yeah, they're looking more into it for um, like very rural, like very far off the grid locations. Mm-hmm. Where there's, for instance, like uh, a lake that uh, just has like polluted water and not, mm-hmm. there's not like a lot of fish in there anymore and things. Like repurposing like parts of the lake by building some kind of algae power plant uh, at it, mm-hmm. which gives them like the triple benefit of like basic food they can hand out for almost free, energy they can sell for cheap, plus it slowly like cleans the water, the air there. It's like it mm-hmm. it does a lot. It has like a lot of benefit. It might not be like a solution for the long term. But short term, it can like really help those kind of places out. Yeah. Uh. Mm. <laughs> and hey, you can do 
technology and biofuel. So yeah, there's also yeah. that. Yeah, but okay. I think the biggest thing that we can take away from this is that the more energy options that we have, the more flexible we are. Therefore, um, we can help more places and we can decide, okay, this place really needs something like, let's say, algae. So then at the other place who is, you know, not very dependent on one very specific uh, source of energy, they can, I don't know, construct something that complements the algae or basically counteracts the negative effects. Yeah, for instance, like More, yeah. Uh, in like big gridded places, maybe like a fusion reactor that we like mm -hmm. just at the start might be really good. If some place that's like very in nature and that's like very off the grid, the algae would be like a good option because it's like good for everything there. Mm -hmm. It's like it will all depend on where you are, what you can produce, what you can transport. It's like everything around it because the logistics of it are also really important mm -hmm. true and uh, it will all like mm -hmm. matter like who wants to do what <laughs> and what we can actually make work and then we have the politics but let's not talk about that yeah let's stay away from that <laughs> all right yeah. i think this is a good point uh, to end today's podcast yeah, the very um, first one, and we talked for a while. <laughs> yeah, that we did. Damn. Either way, um, let me do a quick shout-out about our other uh, occupations. Well, we're streamers. For me, Dutch, it is twitch.tv-dutchhood. Um, and for Matt, it is twitch.tv-mattheartisan. Or just go yeah. to mattheartisan.com, right? Cause, yeah, because I'm <laughs> super extra, and uh, hey... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have fun today. Damn, yeah, and I hope you listeners had too. Again, excuse us so much for all the factual <laughs> um, <coughs> wrongdoings of us. Yeah. The rambling, uh, us getting off topic and stuff like that. We are, as uh, I said earlier, massive geeks and we can't help but geek out at times. <laughs> I think we're good. I think we're good. As long as it's in yep. good fun. Right? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And hey, we didn't make any jokes about the other's country, so uh, we're starting off strong. <laughs> That's not going to last. Uh, oh, no, definitely not. It will happen one day. We don't know when, but we will know that it happens one day. Yep. Mm -hmm. But either way, I thank, you every I thank everyone so much for listening to us, and I hope to see you guys again. Uh, next time yeah and may you all have a wonderful day uh evening night morning uh whatever it may be what time of day at what place uh, binge, uh, <laughs> listening session <laughs> and, uh, yep have a great time goodbye folks have a good one <laughs>